Thanks to Indeed for sponsoring the Apple Bits XL. Indeed knows hiring needs to be cost-effective when you're running your own business. Start hiring now at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, aka BTZ, doing it nice, slow, and easy. Welcome. This is the show for all of you that are new here, where we talk about all the biggest Apple news each week, the headlines, and how it relates to the greater tech world as a whole. So thank you so much for coming out. It is episode 261. We keep on turning the corner here, and yes, a lot of rumblings around WWDC. We've got some good things to talk about there, and also maybe a future AirPods in the work, and what's going on with the Macs. We will talk about it all. But first, we got two pieces of business. If you want to be part of the show, all you got to do is call in, send it along, your voice memo, whatever platform you're on, to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z where you're from, who you are, what you want to talk about. We will talk about it all. And I finally have collected a good crop. Um, I'm actually still on the road right now, so it's easier for me to do it at my studio back home. So I will include all those voice call-ins next week's show. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support all my content. It starts at $2 per month, $5, which is like a cup of coffee per month, $10, the $25, and the $100 Platinum Apple level. What do you get? Early access to content, rewards at different levels, a completely ad-free version of the show, plus we do a monthly Zoom live chat, and we got some other things going on behind the scenes. I have been traveling the past two weeks, but our next private exclusive zoom live stream is coming up next week and i will get all the details out to you on guess what patreon.com slash brian tong so thank you for all your support and you continue to allow me to keep on doing this we have been going almost just at there's just we're just like a week away of me doing this for five years time has flown my goodness it's, it's pretty wild but it's been an amazing journey and that's because of you all all right Let's get into the show, and we're going to start with WWDC news now. We know that WWDC will be held at Apple Park on June 5th to the 9th. It will be an in-person event, and when Apple first made the announcement, developers can sign up for basically a lottery to find out if they have won the lottery to attend the event, and people are coming around from around the world to get to Apple Park in Cupertino. I'm lucky that my parents and I myself, I was born and raised in the Sunnyvale, Cupertino area, and it's literally, I don't know, seven minutes away from where my parents live, so it's nice when they throw events. Uh, I have not been invited yet, for the record, so people that won the lottery, you know you're coming. Some people ask me, hey, I'll see you there. I'm like, I don't know if I'll be there yet, but it will be held again on June 5th. Now, Apple has attendees that are selected based on a random lottery system. So you got Apple Developer Program members, prior year Swift Student Challenge winners, and Apple Entrepreneur Camp alumni. They are eligible to enter. So they've been rolling out. But if you didn't get an invite yet, it doesn't mean your chances are over. Not everyone attends and then they recirculate the remaining slots. So I would say cross your fingers, but it's always exciting when there's a live event at Apple campus. And when we talk about WWDC, we know that all the different 
software operating systems will be featured, and we will talk about those in a moment and what's happening on that side, but I think, let's be real, all of us get really, really excited about seeing the hardware there. So there's really, I would say, three products that have the highest probability of showing up or, you know, I would we say three three max? Maybe, but let's talk about what we could see. Now, if you remember last year's last year's WWDC was the premiere and the first reveal of the MacBook Air, the M2 MacBook Air. And so this year, could we see the long rumored 15.5 inch MacBook Air kind of make WWDC be the showcase and the launch of a new Air model. It is expected to launch by the summer based on reports and rumors, and it's set to be alongside the current 13.6 MacBook Air. So then you get this 15-inch MacBook Air that I have talked about so many times, even when the idea was suggested that right now, based on their pricing, you have a product at $1199, which is the current entry-level price for a MacBook Air. You got the current level entry price for a, a MacBook Pro at 14 inch, which is $19.99. And it would be perfect to slot something right in that $14.99 slot. And a 15 inch MacBook Air without ProMotion would be the perfect machine for that. Now, it's not clear still what chip will be inside of it. Uh, will Apple still use the M2 chips? but it feels like it's a little too early for the debut of the M3. Um, so the thinking maybe M2, M2 Pro and the MacBook Airs, that is one of the products that I have said over and over would be, if I wasn't doing content creation for a living, that would instantly be my laptop. And even if I wanted to dabble in content creation, that would be the laptop to get for me, a 15-inch MacBook Air. What about the Mac Pro? Right, We have still been waiting patiently for Apple to update their Apple Silicon and eliminate all Intel chip-based Macs. And Apple said it would take a few years to complete this transition. So is 2023, according to all reports, going the year that we finally see this new Mac Pro with the machine reportedly set to feature the same kind of general modern, sleek, cheese-grater-looking design the same stainless steel frame and aluminum housing with the slide up to access the interior components. The Apple Silicon Mac Pro is expected, based on reports, to use an M2 Ultra chip that would be up to 24-core CPU and up to a 76-core GPU with support for at least 192 gigs of RAM. This would easily be, hands down, their most powerful machine but also because of the architecture of Apple Silicon, the upgrades could be limited because the the you know the memory is built onto the chip. It's not user upgradable because of how it is tied to the motherboard. Same thing goes for the GPU. So the Mac Pro may not have a user upgradable GPU or upgradable RAM unless there's some sort of update to the way that Apple Silicon chips are basically built and implemented in this specific machine. I don't know if they'd go that far to do that, but the reports are that we were expecting to see a new Mac Pro finally after all these years in 2023. 
23 and WWDC would be, this is not a consumer machine, right? This is a high-end pro machine. And also it would be able to maybe show off a little bragging rights of what the new Mac Pro can do. We also saw, let's talk about the Mac Studio last year, right? This feels like a Mac-centric type event. Apple introduced the Mac Studio back in March 2022 with an M1 Max option and an M1 Ultra chip. We don't exactly know or have not heard that Apple could be doing any refresh versions of the Mac Studio, but they could put an M2 Max and an M2 Ultra chip, same chips used for the Mac Pro, or hold out. Um, it's not really clear how they could really differentiate the Mac Studio versus the Mac Pro if they're basically using the same chip technology. And if the Mac Pro doesn't have that much expandability, it's going to be interesting to see how they can really, what what is the difference? And for me, when I look at the Mac Studio, if I was going to, I've waited out on getting a Mac Studio just because I wanted to see what the Mac Pro looks like. If they put a Mac, an M2 Ultra in a Mac Studio, I'm getting a Mac Studio. But if they don't, I'm looking at the Mac Pro and saying, hmm, that looks nice. But the reality is that I'm doing just fine on my 16-inch M2, oh, sorry, 16-inch M1 Max MacBook Pro. I did not upgrade to the M2, and it is still just crushing it. So for me personally, I'm really waiting for the next, the M3 generation, the more efficient, more powerful chip, three nanometer process, and we'll see how that goes. The biggest rumored product, the product that we really, really expect to see here. Come on, you can all say it with me. The Apple AR VR headset or their mixed reality headset that has been pushed back, according to reports, multiple times if we believe all those rumors. But maybe we could finally see it shown off here at WWDC. This would be the perfect event. We've heard reports even back in February, Bloomberg's Mark Gurman said, hey, the device would get a WWDC introduction and would ship sometime later in the year. But that still, according to the latest reports, may not be the most sure thing. Apple analyst Ming-Chi Kuo said Apple pushed back the mass production to the headset, which could mean maybe it won't make an appearance at WWDC. I think this is the perfect venue to show it off, quite honestly, even if it gets pushed back from production, even if it comes later in the fall, later towards the end of the year. This is the showcase also. Get their new OS into developers' hands. Get them to start, in general, developers' hands. Get them to really start playing with it, working on it, seeing what makes sense. I I imagine that out of the gates, their reality OS for this product is going to be very limited, similar to how the Apple Watch, it was very strict on who got access to that. And Apple really, really is the one that put all their apps in the first generation of that watch OS before they then kind of played with it, changed it over, and then really opened it up. You've got to imagine that's going to be a similar thing here. Um, and then maybe Apple will be working with specific partners because this is an experiential product that you can't just throw in a few Apple apps. But again, the delays in mass production doesn't mean that there'd be a delay in the actual unveiling. Uh, the AR VR headset really is following this like kind of Apple Watch path, but it's rumored, the biggest bugaboo about this thing is that it's rumored to be priced at $3,000. Apple internally doesn't expect it to sell well. New York Times articles have shown that employees have expressed 
uh, skepticism around it and how useful it's really going to be. And Apple doesn't, at least right now, what is going to be, let's say the key three things that I really want to do with it. Is it going to be unique experiences that you can't get anywhere else? Well, that requires a lot of funding for that if it's truly this super high resolution display that we haven't seen before. Even the invite for WWDC, it has the arc which mimics Apple's rainbows, but really it looks like the arcs that are lenses that would lead to lenses for the Apple AR VR headset. I mean, I'm just I'm just reaching I'm just stretching it out. So right now reports are saying that Apple is focusing heavily on communication and avatar development and obviously the AR aspect of this. Tim Cook continues to talk about AR, 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 but at that price, will it interest consumers? I, I ask this every time we talk about it, and I still don't hear an overwhelming flood of, yes, I want to get the Apple AR VR headset. Now, the reports say it'll have some high-end 4K micro OLED displays, more than a dozen cameras for tracking, everything from your hands to your facial expressions, and there will be no actual physical controller, so it'll be all gesture-based by using your hands and floating them in the air. Give me a little bit of that minority report action. The reports also say that, say that the user is going to have to wear an external battery pack to power the device, which they will put in their pocket. I'm not, I've never been a, opposed to a tethered headset because I love the PSVR 2. Uh, I'm not jumping into the PSVR 2 all the time. I'm, I'm really busy as well. But a tethered battery, interesting. So the, according to reports, the built-in battery on the headset was too heavy. Apple designed a hip-worn battery to power the headset for approximately two hours before it needs to be recharged. And they're aiming to create really more of a comfortable, lighter design, sleek, curved visor, a mesh backing, and adjustable band. But the lightest, I think if they're going for, I could see them saying the lightest, highest fidelity mixed reality headset, probably true. Then it comes down to the apps, the content, and the usability. So we will we will absolutely find out what this thing is all about. You know, as we talk about it, I'm not trying to convince myself it's going to be good. I really don't know. I'm going to give it a chance. But still, even if it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, I only used VR headsets for about half an hour tops. Is that worth $3,000? And what, maybe I use it once every two to three weeks now? I don't know. In Ming-Chi Kuo's latest report, he says that Apple's AR VR headset announcement is the, I air quote, last hope for persuading investors that it'll be their next star product. And I, I think it's completely valid for everyone to be like, hmm, it's interesting because we had this, hmm, I feel like the skepticism, it does feel stronger, but it reminds me of the skepticism around the iPad. No one really was high on the idea of an iPad. I mean, media mocked it before it happened. People are like, why do I need a larger iPhone screen? And then when you saw Steve Jobs use it in action, I was at that keynote for the first time and he's sitting back lounging on that modern looking black kind of leather squarey sofa chair. Then you're like, oh, this is cool. And now I always jokingly, but seriously call it the most intimate Apple product because I can lie down on my back with it. I can lie down on my stomach on it. I can sit down on the floor with it. I can, you know, kick my legs up. I can sit back with my legs crossed. I can, it's, it is, it's, it's something 
the way that it connects to my brain. Now, I'm not saying that the AR VR headset is going to be the same thing, but I'm feeling a lot of those general vibes, and it's going to be really interesting to see how how and who Apple uses to present this product because no matter what you say, there was something about feeling connected to Steve and his emotional investment in the product and his love, his genuine love for the product and the features that you could tell he had an intimate, like he dealt with it down to the curve of things with him and Johnny Ive that translated over to the presentation, right? When you get excited about something, other people get excited about something. And I'm talking about like genuine excitement. So I think that will play into it. But look at the overall market right now with the top two mixed reality or ARVR headsets. Sony recently announced that they were planning to cut down production plans for their PSVR 2. That doesn't mean it's a bad product, but it may not be selling as well as they had hoped. But I, st- I still think it's, to me, honestly, the experience, the vibration feedback, the fidelity, and the hope, the hope, of more games. The PSVR 2 is my favorite virtual reality headset right now. The Meta Quest 2 is the most accessible and portable one and has some great experiences, but I from a technical standpoint, the PSVR 2 is the best one. Um the Meta Quest Pro starts around I think $1500, just a little higher fidelity, used more geared towards enterprise. That that thing to me has has completely bombed. I don't know a single person who actually bought it and kept it. Um, but Ming-Chi Kuo says, hey, look, there's there's not sufficient evidence to show us that right now consumers are really excited about this stuff. And guess who can get people excited about it? <laughs> really? Apple can. But at $3,000? Are you throwing down 3000 bucks for an Apple AR VR headset first generation? I don't know. I don't know. Is the escapism that Apple will bring us so incredible that we will invest in this product and use it more than what we already have, our iPhone? It's competing with the iPhone. It's competing for my time with streaming sports. It's competing with streaming programs on Disney+, Plus, HBO Max, Netflix. It's competing with my time on my own computer. It's competing with my time with my PS5. I don't even have time to do all those things. So, and then reading books and playing card games. I mean, it three thousand bucks. I, I'm not ready to do that yet, unless they really, really, really blow my mind. But at the very least, I'd like to see what their vision is, what they're trying to do, and is it something that I'll be on board on, maybe in the next generation, or maybe I'm just so geeked out about this. I'm like, I gotta have this. I'll definitely review it, but I'll be honest, I don't know if it's a gotta have. So what do teens think? Well, an annual 2023 Piper Sandler teen survey asks them all the questions. Now, first of all, it asks them about iPhones, but it also asks them about upcoming and just the current status of augmented reality VR headsets. And Apple's iPhone continues to be the most popular smartphone with teens and 87% of teens surveyed said that they own an iphone 88 percent of those teens said their next smartphone will be an iphone but pretty much the ownership has held steady at 87 percent, which is dominant and again these are teens so this is 
the current generation and then the next generation that is that is pretty wild so if you compare it to let's say about 10 years ago or let's say 11 years ago in 2012 just 40 percent of u.s teens reported owning an iphone now it's at 87 percent as for the apple watch 35 percent of teens own the apple watch that's up four percent since last fall so a little a little tick up but if you talk about okay ar vr headsets a total of 29% of teens reported owning a vr headset with just 14% using the device on a weekly basis and then 4% using it daily man i don't even know if it's at 4% using it daily i mean that's that's really low and these are numbers that okay tell you what maybe apple is going up against when it comes to maybe the most impressionable generation and at $3,000, that's only going to be accessible to a very small group of people. So Apple is planning to launch it, $3,000. What are the other options out there? The The Quest 2 is $400. The, the MetaQuest Pro is $1,500. The PSVR 2, which is an add-on to PS5, is, fi- I believe, $500. The Apple ARVR headset rumored to be $3,000. So that that is a big, big price tag. Just 7% of teens that were polled said they were planning to purchase a headset, while another 52% were unsure or uninterested. And that's not with Apple's coming upcoming headset. That's with just general AR, VR headsets. So right now, 29% own them. 14% use it on a weekly basis. 4% use it on a daily basis, and 7% said they were planning to purchase it, and 52% were unsure or uninterested. I don't know how that mimics um, what the grown-up grown population is thinking, but these, these were thousands of teens polled across the U.S., responses from 5,690 teens at an average age of 16.2 years old. I don't know. Does that does that sound bleak? Does it feel bleak? Now, just a earlier, I think earlier in the week, GQ published this really cool kind of really a more personal look at Tim Cook behind the scenes. You know how he runs Apple, his approach and his philosophy to things. And I think that there's a nugget from this article that is really interesting and might help. Apple, but also it's a good indication of how we've seen Apple change and evolve under Tim Cook's lead because they asked him what are what are some of the key lessons that you know he learned from Steve Jobs and he said that Steve taught me well never to get married to your convictions of yesterday to always if presented with something new that says you were wrong admit it and go forward instead of continue to hunker down and say why you're right. And the reason why I think about this is really the first new product under Tim Cook's lead was the Apple Watch. And out of the gates, I said, this is just a notification bracelet, and it doesn't really do much other than be a notification bracelet. They kept on seeing where consumers gravitated towards feature-wise. Then it evolved into a more fitness activity ban that also does notifications. And then they revamped the operating system. 
I believe, was it watchOS 3 or watchOS 4? Now I'm getting confused. I believe, if I'm wrong, you all can correct me, but I believe it was the Apple Watch 3 with watchOS 4 is where they totally revamped the OS. And I'm like, okay, now we're talking. This makes sense. Now I'm all in on the Apple Watch. And then we've seen how it's grown to what the Apple Watch Ultra is today. So I think this is important because that's clearly a philosophy that not only we've seen Tim Cook and Apple as a whole really embrace that, and maybe this is a similar philosophy that they're going to have to take some, you know, they're going to have to take some hits to the stomach with this new Apple AR VR headset, but ultimately they're going to go forward and we'll see how that evolves over time. We're going to really find out. It, it's going to be interesting. All right, let's take a moment to thank the sponsor of this podcast, Indeed. And you know what? Think about someone who has changed your life for the better. How incredible would it be if your company could find more of those life-changing people right when you needed them? Well, if you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. You hate waiting? Well, Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Now, one of their features that stands out and saves you time is Instant Match. Candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search according to U.S. Indeed data. And with Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resume is on Indeed, match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Indeed knows that when you're doing everything for your company, you can't afford to overspend on hiring. So visit Indeed.com slash AppleBits to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need a hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's uh, jump back to WWDC. And we've heard a few little things here. And there are a few little nuggets about what might be going on now. iOS 17 was rumored to be kind of a performance and tweak update. But then there were reports later on that, oh, Apple is really looking to kind of throw in features that have been requested. And one of them, according to reports, is that iOS 17 will feature major changes to Control Center on the iPhone, according to a MacRumors forum member who was the one who leaked the accurate details about the dynamic island on the iPhone 14 Pro before the device was even announced last year. Before any, and that I think that dynamic island thing happened just just a day or two before before the event was announced. But in an email, the anonymous source, according to MacRumors, said that iOS 17 will be focused on performance and stability improvements, but also that a revamped Control Center could be one of the more prominent changes coming with this software update. We don't know exactly what those changes will be. Uh, we've had it forever, right? When you swipe down on the top right corner, Control Center gives you like Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, you got display brightness, uh, volume, you can control the AirPods, spatial audio, all those things. Um, and it will be the 10-year anniversary of Control Center, which appeared for the first time in iOS 7. So why not do something fresh and new? So we'll see how that how that changes things. It is hard because iOS in general just feels so mature in a lot of things that we haven't seen, like, you know, landscape, <laughs> landscape mode for the OS on these bigger screens. When, 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 when can, can we just get that on all iPhones? I, I would like that to use it in landscape on iOS, all iPhone models. That'd be cool. Um, 
So iOS 17 will also, according to the reports, support iPhone 10, iPhone 8, and 8 Plus. And this is because there were claims that it would no longer, and now a counterclaim is saying, hey, no, you're wrong. It will at least support 8, 8 Plus, and 10 for the iPhones. And then iPadOS 17 will reportedly, you know, would reportedly drop support for the first generation 9.7 inch and 12.9 inch iPad Pros and the fifth generation iPad. So we'll see what happens there. But at least people who have an iPhone 10 or 8 or 8 Plus, which are more than capable phones today, still. I mean, other than the camera, I think you guys and gals are who are using those still aren't even like flinching. But I would say that, but as I, my voice goes, but <laughs> I would say. What we're looking at maybe six years now. Now would now would be a nice time to consider making an upgrade. Whenever I'm around that, whenever I think of general consumers with the phone, maybe around that three four year mark, I think that's a good time to reevaluate where you're at, how you want to use your phone. Do you like your camera and the pictures it takes, and do you want to make a jump up? Because that time definitely makes a difference. Mark Gurman of Bloomberg also reports that watchOS 10 should be a fairly extensive upgrade for Apple Watch this year with notable changes to the user interface. He didn't provide any specific details. I think it would be a nice time for something fresh to come about the Apple Watch. I don't think it's stale, but I want to see new things that it could possibly do from a user experience. Also, look, getting us more sensor data and even new sensors and more health measurements like body mass like blood pressure would help uh you know we know that blood sugar or blood alcohol things of that nature that's not coming for a long long time so everyone you know we know the potential and how apple has been working on their own solution to measure blood sugar but it's still not coming anytime soon to the apple watch but until then what can they do really give us better battery life and tweak the os and optimize the os with a more efficient chip inside and that those are ways to, at least in the immediate future, to make the Apple Watch better. That that's really what it comes down to. Also, are we are we seeing a new 24-inch iMac coming this year? We've heard the rumblings that maybe there will be one. Maybe they'll put an M2 chip. Maybe it'll come with an M3 chip. But really, we we still don't know. Um, we've heard reports that it's an advanced stage of development, according to Bloomberg. It maybe could come at the second half of 2023. I loved the kind of retro but modern take of bringing back the classic colors to the iMac, but bringing it to this new design. The original, the new redone iMacs, 24 inches was their only screen size. They had an M1 chip in it, but now, you know, I think it'd be nice to see something within, maybe we'll wait for an M3 rollout. Maybe, Maybe they'll surprise with M2, but at least right now, we aren't expecting to see anything from a new iMac yet, but signs look like there's more momentum for new ones to appear later this year. If we're talking about 14 and 16-inch MacBook Pros, there's always been a lot of rumblings about when will they get OLED displays. And according to display analyst Ross Young, he has reaffirmed to everyone that they will not offer OLED display technology until 2026 on Apple's flagship pro n laptops and 2026 is a long time we're seeing oled displays on plenty of other pc laptops and i get it and mini led is great it does a job but oled is mm, 
chef's kiss, especially on a large laptop screen that you're creating content on for the deepest blacks and the best representation of what you what you're what you're creating. It'd be really nice. I mean, man, when are we going to get a next uh, Pro Display XDR with at least mini LED? We're still waiting on that. So we'll see how, how that space plays out this year. And uh, finally, if you've been reading some of the bloggy blogs, Apple is researching an AirPods case with a built-in interactive touchscreen. Now, this isn't coming to WWDC or anytime soon, but Apple has designs on future iPods case that feature a built-in touchscreen that would enable us to control the audio sources, interact with apps associated with the connected device, maybe volume levels. This is a patent filed back in September of 2021 and published last week by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office titled Devices, Methods, and Graphical User Interface Interactions with a Headphones Case. You could see a screen on that AirPods case, at least with the current AirPods Pro, would it use a lot more battery juice? Yes. Yes. The utility of a headphone case can be enhanced and user control over a user's wireless headphones can be improved by configuring a headphone case with an interactive user interface to enable user control of operations associated with the wireless headphones. That is directly from the patent. It also says in there, there is a need for a headphone case device that can control operations that are traditionally associated with headphones. It's it's kind of interesting, you know, when you talk about, okay, fine, put a touchscreen on a AirPods case, but I think the next level would be, I know this sounds stupid, it actually doesn't, but if this is a music player and this is a headphone case that has a touch display screen, could we put local storage on this AirPods case so that we could download music and it would basically be an iPod on a case with the AirPods to talk to it. Now, they don't talk about it that way, but if I could just take my AirPods case with me and play music, which is a lot smaller than uh, the a- iPhone, and I know we have the AirPod, uh, sorry, we have the Apple Watch where we can do this, but oh. That's kind of interesting. I mean, Apple can really do whatever they want. And I think that if they put a touchscreen and had memory storage on an AirPods case, I think people would absolutely use it. I I think it'd be pretty cool. And the AirPods are so, you know, these are the most famous wireless earbuds. When I say most famous, it's like the most popular, the most used. You got a user base that would be willing to get that next gen and try this out and use this in. I think there's something there. Now, the patent doesn't talk about storage space. For the record, I'm adding that myself. But it talks about a display with music controls. And when I see that, I'm like, just put some storage on the AirPods case and boom, you're good. So uh, it's just a patent that's out there. Something that Apple's thinking about. Something that Apple's clearly working on, but it isn't here yet. All right, everybody. That is going to do it for this week's show. Hey, we got to give big thanks, first of all, to our Platinum Apples at the $100 Support level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, Michael Gigliotti, Atari Koenigsegg, and Glenn Canellis. Thank you so much for your constant support. And thank you to all of you who continue to support my show and continue to allow me to do this. I was just at in Austin, Texas this past week. I was at the John Deere Tech Summit. And I learned so much about all the tech that they're packing. I mean, 
To me, they are the biggest tech company that you never heard about because you know about John Deere, but you don't think about them as a tech company. And uh, I got some video clips. I'm gonna try and put together at least a little mini video because it was truly awesome. But that's where I was this entire week. And that's why I didn't have a video on the channel. But don't worry, you're gonna get content coming now. I'm finally home for most part. Well, I'll be on the road still, but I got some good stuff coming for you. So everybody, thanks so much for hanging out, taking your time to listen to the podcast. You know that we will be back here. Same bad time, same bad channel. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace.